we have a copy of his word, I invite you to open up to 2 Thessalonians. You have the sermon notes with you. You can take them out if you want to jot down as we study this passage. And we're continuing on with our study of the Holy Spirit in week five. And this week what I hope to show us through scripture is how the Holy Spirit truly works and truly manifests himself as a third part of the Trinity. And as we've looked at over the past number of weeks, we've looked at how in today's culture and in the environment of the cultural church, the Holy Spirit is being blasphemed by attributing to the Holy Spirit that which is actually of the demonic and not the true manifestation and the work of the Holy Spirit. So we've looked at that extensively over the past number of weeks and, and this week and maybe leading into next week as, as God leads this study on my heart, I hope to be able to show how and in which way the Holy Spirit is working today. And this morning what I hope to show is how the Holy Spirit is both restrainer and convictor. And I really think that this is shown very clearly through 2 Thessalonians. So we'll read together 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 1. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and are being gathered together to him. We ask you, brothers, do not be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word, or a letter seemingly to be from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will, come, that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction." who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or, or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And you know what is restraining him now, so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it, will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power, false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore God sends them a strong dissolution so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, Beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in truth. To this He called you through our gospel, so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm, hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Let's just pray together. Heavenly Father, we ask, Lord, for this word to just come alive to us this morning through the Spirit. We pray, Father, that we do not add attributes to the Holy Spirit that are not true, Father. 
But I pray, Lord, now as we come to look at this passage, may we see clearly the amazing work of the Holy Spirit. Father, may we honor you this morning through the study of your word. And may you guide us each step of the way, O Holy Spirit, and show us the truth of this passage. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Going back to the beginning of chapter 2, when it says, Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or spoken word, or a letter seemingly to be from us. Now, this is a warning, the entirety of Second Thessalonians is, is a warning to the church not to be persuaded by false teachers, not to be persuaded by false letters that are seemingly from the apostles. And for us today who have the canon of Scripture, it would also be rightly translated, do not be deceived by those who misrepresent what the apostles had spoken through the epistles. Do not allow people to misrepresent what the Holy Spirit has given us through the books of Holy Scripture. And he starts this off because the church at this point were already concerned because people were saying, you've missed the rapture. You have missed the second coming of Christ. And this is why these things are taking place. Things were starting to get very bad for the first century church at this stage. And Paul's writing here to say, do not be so quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit, that being of the demonic, or by a person, or by so-called letters from us. And he's going to explain to us what it really means for the second coming of Christ. It's important for us to understand this morning, whenever we think about the rapture, we're going to be looking extensively, jumping in and out of Revelation. And what I am not going to be able to do this morning in the 20 minutes to half an hour that we have left is be able to expound and exegete every possible avenue of eschatology. In other words, of the end times. What I'm hoping this morning is to show how the Holy Spirit works, how the Holy Spirit manifests the true working of God in our lives today for the coming of Christ Jesus. And ultimately, whether you are a pre-tribulation, post-tribulation, mid-tribulation, you believe we're going to be raptured before the tribulation, in the middle of the tribulation, at the end of the tribulation, whether you're a pre-millennialist, post-millennialist, amillennialist, we don't have time this morning to go into the extensiveness that is eschatology. But what we do want to do is we want to point here to the clear workings of the Holy Spirit and why Jesus sent us the Helper, the, the Comforter, and He who is the third part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And so he goes on in verse 3 and says, Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed. So Paul's clear showing here to the churches, do not be afraid that you've missed the rapture. Do not be afraid that for some reason you have missed the coming back of Christ. None of these things are going to take place until the day of rebellion, or in some translations, the day of tribulation comes. And even more to that, and the man of lawlessness is revealed. Who is the man of lawlessness? The Antichrist. It's important for us who I really do believe are living in the end days to understand that the first century church were not living in the end days. And Paul's trying to show that out. But I believe that we today very much are, especially now more than they were, closer to the coming of Christ. Closer 
to the manifestation of the Antichrist and more to the point how the Holy Spirit is now working in all of that playing out through biblical history. And what I want to do is I want to turn once again to understand these two points, the rebellion that comes and the man of lawlessness. And Elder Ian read it to us this morning in the middle of our worship. So turn with me please to Revelation 13, verses 2 through 8. Let me read in Revelation 13, verse 2. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard. Its feet were like a bear's and its mouth like a lion's mouth. And to the dragon gave his power and his throne and his great authority. One of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed. And the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. And they worshipped the dragon. For he had given his authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast saying, Who is like the beast? Who can fight against it? Now this morning if we had time to go in to Daniel's prophecies and how all this is being manifested through these beasts. But for us to understand, whenever it talks about this beast in particular, it's pointing to the Antichrist. When it talks about the dragon, it's pointing to the devil himself, which gives over his power and authority to the Antichrist. And verse 5 says, And the beast was given a mouth, uttering haughty and blasphemous words, and was allowed to exercise authority over 42 months. It opens its mouth to utter blasphemy themes against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling. That is, those who dwell in heaven. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation. And all who dwell on the earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of the life of the Lamb who was slain. Scary passage showing us what is to come? The coming of the Antichrist, the coming of all authority and power by the devil, giving to the Antichrist, and how God is going to allow these things to come to pass. We also, if you would turn with me in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 19. Sorry, first, sorry, chapter 24, verse 19. We see here again a warning from Jesus about the tribulation, about the end times. And you read in verse 19. And alas for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, talking about the tribulation. Pray that your flight may not be in winter or the Sabbath. For then there will be a great tribulation such as not being from the beginning of the world until now. No, and never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Then, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs, false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you 
beforehand. Jesus here, through this discourse to the disciples, warns them, there is coming a tribulation, there is coming a time in the history of the church whenever the Holy Spirit, who is restrainer, is going to lift his hand off this world. We have to understand, for those of us who see how culture is radically changing, how Christianity is coming dramatically under attack in which we live in, that even today, the world in which we live in still is not as bad as it could be if the Holy Spirit was not restraining back the demonic forces, holding back the coming of the Antichrist, and holding back, ultimately, hell being released on earth. If we can this morning, we could go into Revelation and really see the depiction of whenever hell is opened up and the demonic forces are let out and they go right throughout the earth and the Holy Spirit, although the Holy Spirit will be here because God is omniscient, He is everywhere, His restraining work, will, His hands will be taking off the demonic and the evil and hell itself will be let loose upon this earth and we will live in a great time of tribulation and persecution against the church. This is why Jesus gives the disciples this discourse. And he says, and it will be manifest through signs and wonders. Signs and wonders that, if at all possible, would even lead away the elect. There's going to be false prophets, false Jesuses, false uh, uh, demonic forces going out and proclaiming that they are God. False gospel moving throughout the land, bringing all people not to worship God, but ultimately to worship. To worship the devil himself. What I want to do is before we go even further. I want to jump back to Revelation 9. Again I want to paint this picture of this time of tribulation. So turn with me if you please. Back to Revelation in chapter 9. We read in chapter 9. Of the coming towards the end of the tribulation. read down through it together and it says in chapter 9 verse 1 and the fifth angel blew his trumpet and I saw a star fall from heaven to earth and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit he opened the shaft of the bottomless pit and from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace and the sun and the air were darkened and the smoke from the shaft then from the smoke came locusts on the earth and they were given power like the power of scorpions of the earth. This is a depiction of the demonic being let loose. This is a depiction of how the demons are going to be let loose out of the restraining power of the Holy Spirit from the pits of hell. And they're going to be let loose to wreak havoc throughout the world. It was on verse 4 and says, And they were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant of the tree, but only those people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were allowed to torment them for five months, but not to kill them. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone. And in those days, people will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. In appearance, the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were what looked like crowns of gold. Their faces were like human faces. Their hair like a woman's hair. And their teeth like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron. And the, nose of their, the noise of their wings was like the noise of many chariots with horses rushing into battle. 
They have tails and stings like scorpions, and their power to hurt people for five months is in their tails. They have as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Adonai, is Adonai and in the Greek called Apollyon. The first woe has passed. Behold, two woes are still to come. Then the sixth angel blew his trumpet, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release four angels who are bound at the great river efforts. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour, the day, the month, and the year, were released to kill a third of mankind. The number of mounted troops was twice 10,000 times 10,000. I heard their number. And this is how I saw the horses in my vision and those who rode on them. They wore breastplates the color of fire and sapphire and of sulfur. And the heads of the horses were like lion's heads. And fire and smoke and sulfur came out of their mouths. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by fire and smoke and sulfur coming out of their mouths. For the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails, for the tails are like serpents with heads, and by means of them they wound. The rest of mankind, who were not killed by these plagues, did not repent of the works of their hands, nor give up worshipping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see or hear or walk, nor did they repent of their murderous murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. We see here the woes that's depicted through chapter nine. And we see at the very end of chapter eight, before we read what we just read, and it says in verse thirteen. Then I looked and I heard an angel crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead. Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth at the blasts of the other trumpets that the, that the three angels are about to blow. Even God in the midst of tribulation is still pouring out his sovereign love and his sovereign grace. The angel is heralding woe, woe, woe to you who are still on the earth. Turn from your ways. Repent. See the work of God Almighty pouring out as judgment upon you that's meant to lead you to repentance. We see the same woe, woe, woe in chapter 3, 6, 8, 11, 13 and 17. And then we read there at the end of chapter 9 the most horrendous, horrific imagery that you could possibly see in the midst of a third of mankind being wiped out, in the midst of the demonic forces being let loose on this earth, in the midst of the beast and the dragon, and the great prostitute, running rampant all over the earth, and the Holy Spirit having stepped back from his restraining power, you would think, and I would think, and you would think, that mankind would fall upon their knees and say, the Bible is true, we can see God Almighty working here, and they would turn, and they would repent, but what it says in verse 20 of chapter 9 is, the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues, did not repent of the works of their hands, nor give up worshipping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood which cannot see or hear, nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries or sexual morality or their thefts. Why? Because the Holy Spirit 
is the one who convicts us of our sin. The Holy Spirit is the object in which God uses him to lead us and draw us to repentance. We who once were in darkness, we who once followed the courses of this world, the only reason that you are enlightened and illuminated today to sit in this building and pay homage and give glory to God Almighty is by the true working of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not here simply to just give us signs and wonders. The Holy Spirit is not here to be made a mockery of. The Holy Spirit is here to convict the world and bring them to their knees of repentance before a holy God, before these plagues are let loose. When we turn back with me to 2 Thessalonians, we see this being played out through this letter by the Apostle Paul. As we read in verse 3, let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first, which we've just read about. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, we've just read about the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God. There is a new religion, there is a new way of worship, and it is not the true biblical methods in which we are called to worship God through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, through a commitment and a surrendering of ourselves to Holy Scripture, but there is coming the Antichrist movement, the spirit of the Antichrist, which is going to lead all men everywhere to bow down and pay homage to the devil. And he will stand and sit in the rightful place of God as Lord, Saviour, Almighty, and people of this world will turn and worship Him rather than worship the true triune God. In verse six, sorry, verse five says, "Do you not remember what then I was still when I when I was still with you and told you these things?" In verse six, and you know what is restraining Him now. He tells the people, you know that these things have not come to pass because he, the Holy Spirit, is restraining these things from coming to pass. So that he may be revealed in his time. Verse 7, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he, the Holy Spirit, who now restrains it, will do so until he is out of the way. There is coming a day whenever we as Christians who can go on holidays, who can go into a restaurant, we can have conversations and we can have normality even amongst pagan believers, even amongst the people who don't have the Holy Spirit, who are not regenerate and do not understand fullness of being a godly, righteous person in this world through Christ Jesus. We can go and have conversations with them. Your kids can go to school with them. But there's coming a day whenever the restraining work of the Holy Spirit is going to let all the pagans and unbelievers of this world over to the desires of their flesh and the worship of the demonic. And on that day, things will be dramatically different. And that is only because today the Holy Spirit holds back all the demonic that is in hell itself and wants to be loosed upon this earth that wants to be loosed upon the sons and daughters of God himself and he withholds it and restrains it. Yes, the demonic is at work. Yes, the devil is active. But could you imagine how active he would be if the Holy Spirit, as we read here, steps out of the way? 
and allowed all flesh to be given over to their passions, allowed all flesh to be given over to true, evil, hatred, unloving, demonic forces that are coming. That is the true working of the Holy Spirit today. That is why we worship God and thank Him for our helper and our comforter and the restrainer. Verse 7, as we read, For the mysteries of lawlessness is already at work, and only he who, who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. Verse 8. And then the lawless one will be revealed. The Antichrist will come to the fore, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth, praise Jesus, and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders. We are living in an age of a new apostolic reformation. We're living in an age where so-called Christians and so-called apostles and so-called churches are moving more than ever in signs and wonders. And we have to look like we did last week of how we test those signs and wonders, how we test that gospel and make sure that we are not being led astray by what claims to be of the Lord but is of the demonic. And we do that through the Holy Spirit and His Word. Verse 9, the coming of the lawless one by his activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love truth. We live in a day and age when truth is set aside. No longer do people desire the truth of the word. No longer do people desire to hear biblical truth exposited to them through exegetical preaching. In other words, through the reading of Scripture and how it's meant to be read, through the true understanding and interpreting of Holy Scripture, truth is set aside. No more truth with regards to divorce. No more truth with regards to holiness. No more truth with regards to same-sex marriage. No more truth with regards to how children are to honor parents. No more truth with regards to how society should be shaped and formed. Throw out truth. Throw out knowledge. We do not want it. We want the demonic. And we want it to be testified to us through false signs and wonders. So we can eat it down and gobble it down and set aside truth for a lie. They have itchy ears and they want to scratch. They want to go into what is a church building, so-called, to sit with so-called brothers and sisters, to see so-called signs and wonders, and to attribute to the Holy Spirit, the third part of the Trinity, God himself in spirit form living within us and say that the works of the devil is the works of God and blaspheme him. Last year we see that even evident in the church in Scotland when they came out setting aside truth and apologizing against their stance on homosexuality. Stand or standing on biblical truth. One man, one woman for union and marriage only. Set aside the truth. Embrace the false doctrine. Embrace the false passages. Bring in the false converts and lead them into the demonic. It's everywhere now. Verse 10. And with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love truth and so be saved. It's by truth only the true gospel that we receive. Verse 11. Therefore God sends them a strong disillusion. So that they may believe what is false. It is God giving them over to the desires of their flesh. It is God's judgment 
upon this earth today that is giving over a false gospel of prosperity, a false gospel of word of faith, a false gospel of the NRA, the New, Re- New Apostolic Reformation, NAR. These are all here because people desire their flesh more than they desire the truth of God and the manifestation of His Spirit. Verse 12, in order that all may be condemned who do not believe the truth, but have pleasure in unrighteousness. Verse 13, but we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit on behalf, oh sorry, in belief in the truth. It is the Holy Spirit who sanctifies us. It is the Holy Spirit who convicts us. It is the Holy Spirit who restrains. And yet today people are attributing the Holy Spirit is simply here to give you the manifestation of utterances that aren't even tangible or understandable. They've set aside the true working of the Holy Spirit. They've set aside the true working of holiness and conviction of sin. And we read about that and we'll close with this in John 16. Turn with me, please, to John 16, verse 8. Again, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. And verse 8 says, And when He comes, He will convict the world concerning sin. Why do we praise God for the Holy Spirit? Because He convicts us of our sin. Why do we praise our God and our Lord Savior Jesus Christ for the coming and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit? Because He has convicted you of your sin, leading you to repentance and an understanding of the truth. And it says, convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they did not believe in me concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. And verse 12 says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Verse 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak in his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that, that are to come. He will glorify me, and he will take what is mine and declare to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I say that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit is an amazing work of God by giving us a comforter and a helper in our persecution a comforter and helper through showing the physical truth. And ultimately, the Holy Spirit right now holds back Satan and the demonic works and the forces of hell itself that are one day going to let loose on the earth. When the tribulation comes, setting aside your version of eschatology, there is coming a day when hell will be opened and the Holy Spirit will take his hands off and they will be rampant throughout this world. We can even see the coming of that now with how crazy the world is coming. How crazy the world is saying Christians are. How you're deemed to be a bully. You're deemed to be homophobic. You're deemed to be persecuting people. You're deemed to be unloving because you hold biblical truths. And we have to realize that even whenever God in his mercy 
lets loose of the trumpets of woes, but even then the people of lawlessness still will not repent and still will not turn because they love the flesh and they love the demonic and they love themselves. How does the Holy Spirit work today if someone asks you if he isn't working through the new apostolic reformation, if he isn't working through these amazing signs and wonders and gold dust clouds and everything else, you can say the Holy Spirit works by convicting me of sin, by pointing me to Christ and showing me truth in his word. That is how the Holy Spirit works today. Amen? Amen. And praise God for it. For there is coming a day when people as you read will seek death, but yet death will flee from them. There's coming a day whenever God will cry from heaven through the angels, woe, 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 and they still will not turn. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We pray, Lord, that we understand that there is coming a tribulation, Lord, to this world that we have never, ever seen or ever will. And Father, today, by your grace, you have given us yet another day to proclaim your righteousness. You've given us another day where your Holy Spirit restrains the demonic forces, Father. You've given us another day of freedom, Father God, to come here and to worship you without fear of persecution. You've given us another day of loved ones, Lord, who still do not know you, but yet, Father God, are damned and heading to hell because they do not have Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, because they haven't embraced the truth of the gospel. And Father, we pray this morning that your Spirit would convict them, Father. I pray this morning, Lord, that they would see, Father God, the working of the Spirit in us, Lord. But Father, that's not enough. It was not enough even whenever your son Jesus walked this earth, Lord. Only you can lead them to conviction through your spirit. And we pray, Lord, for your spirit to fall on the loved ones in our families who still reject truth, who still reject the fact that they are a rebellious sinner, that they, Father God, blaspheme your name and everything that they do. And God, we pray this morning they can understand the manifestation of the true working of the Holy Spirit. Father, we praise you that you led us out of darkness. We praise you, Lord, that our names have been written in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of this world. And we praise you, Lord, that we can be found this morning with your name, Father God, written on our foreheads. We belong to Christ Jesus. And Father, we long for the day of your return. But Lord, we thank you, Father, in your patience. You are slow, Father God, as some may count slowness, because you desire that they may repent. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you, Father God, for your Holy Spirit. We praise you, Lord, that he resides in us, that the manifestation of your Spirit, Lord, is a changed life, that we have been born again of the Spirit, Lord, and that we, Father God, have you inside us, teaching and guiding and working in us. Father, I pray that we always give glory to you and to your Son and to the Spirit, that is part of the Trinity, Father. One God, three persons. Father, we praise you and we thank you this morning. May you be with us, Lord. May you stir in our hearts as we come to sing, to realize what we have been set free from, Father, and to praise you for this day, Lord, of peace upon this earth. God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll stand and worship together.